What is a 200-square-foot apartment really worth? 2000 bucks on the downtown east side over at the Lotus Hotel, you know, that hotel that's been there for years. Uh, the rates, by the way, at the Lotus used to be on par as a hotel with uh, kind of what you would expect for a shelter rate. But this happened this week. Suddenly, we've got on TikTok a video that many people thought was a joke of a small 200-square-foot apartment being shown off for $2,000 rent. Yeah, it was clean, but it is really small. And in a neighborhood that is, how do you put it politely, uh, it's got its own challenges. The downtown east side, if you walk out, go around the back, you can see some things that may not necessarily be a comfortable spot for many people who would want to rent. So $2,000 for 200 square feet in Vancouver in the downtown east side. Here's what the video actually sounded like. This is the neighborhood. This is a 200, yeah, 200 square foot apartment in downtown east side. This is your living room. This is the price. Okay, that's a clip from it. Sex in the City uh, music in the background, I think. Uh, but anyways, that is, uh, that's what the going rate is, and it was not supposed to be a joke. But I think it underscores a bigger problem in this city. And for that reason, we bring in Councillor Pete Fry from the City of Vancouver. Good to have you in studio with us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, what do you make of this when you saw the video? Uh, first blush reaction. Um... I was a little shocked to see it sort of styled that way as a, as a TikTok influencer kind of vibe. And I thought, oh, wow, they're really upselling this. Um, but I was really dismayed after watching it. And I, and I should add that that 200 square foot uh, micro apartment yeah. with, with for $2,000, I'm pretty sure that doesn't include a toilet. So typically with SRAs, they're, they're shared toilets. So there's a bank of toilets at the it end of the hall. It had a shower in there. And it had a shower, but But they but skipped no over the toilet, and some people I see in some of the comments were asking whether it had a toilet or not, and I didn't see anything that indicated a toilet to me. Well, so so what we actually in the city of Vancouver, we have an SRA bylaw that protects that kind of housing stock. It doesn't protect it at the price, but it protects that kind of housing stock. Now, typically... SRO hotels throughout the downtown east side were developed as small bed-sit rooms with a with a sink, maybe a yeah. hot plate, a bed, and you would have a shower and toilets down the hall kind of thing. That oh, okay. And it was designed that way. And that's why SROs for the longest time have been the kind of last resort of housing as they're now aging stock. But they're, they're cheap and affordable because you don't have a toilet. You don't have to service that kind of plumbing. <clears throat> now, the city bylaw protections protect that style of housing. So if you wanted to go in there as a big real estate investment trust yeah. like these guys are and wanted to convert it out of and add a, a, its own toilet, that would trigger the SRA bylaw, which would mean you'd have to pay out about $200,000 a door to make that conversion to the city of Vancouver, which we would then put into replacement housing. What they've potentially done here is skirt that bylaw by not adding a toilet yeah. and just upselling uh, you know, a small room with a shower and some Ikea furniture and a fresh coat of paint. Well, fresh coat of paint, and it did look clean. I'll give it that sure, much. Yeah. It looked clean. It looked um, nice enough to live in, certainly, but uh, without a toilet and if it skirts the bylaws on it, it's um, one would also have to wonder if it's up to code with even things like fire protection. 
I know that there has been uh, our chief building officer has been looking at at some of the issues in that building and maybe uh, whether or not everything was done with permits. But that's sort of a, a secondary conversation, and I couldn't really give more yeah. light to those that notion. But I will say that that what we're seeing is largely, with the exception of any kind of permit issues, this is 100% legal. This is um, the unfortunate reality of housing in the city of Vancouver. The location is is very close to, to GM Place, so you could, you know, you're close to the stadiums, you're close to Chinatown, you're close to Gastown, downtown. It's walking distance from all those places. So geographically, even though it's half a block off Hastings Street in a really kind of rough area, it's not a bad uh, walking distance location. So it probably has a pretty good walk score when you look at it that way. And so it's it's attractive to a certain set of people. Ideally, uh, I think we see a lot of foreign students coming in who are going to say Vancouver Film School, which is very yeah. close by. It makes sense for them. The sad reality, though, is that this is housing that's affordable typically to people on pensions and shelter rate, and they have nowhere to go. And what's even more alarming is a lot of these conversions that are happening. And And this one's become a highlight because it's all over TikTok. But, but this has been happening for the better part of a decade where more sort of boutique landowners have been buying up these older hotels. The fact that this is a big Toronto real estate investment trust is is new and doing it on TikTok is new. But the reality is this has been playing out for a while and we've seen this trend and we're not developing any kind of replacement housing that's affordable to folks on shelter or or old age, old age pension. And we know that that is the need in that neighborhood that we're seeing this for. These, so With this housing gone, these people have yeah. nowhere to go but the streets. So shelter system... Living in a tent in the park, those kind of those are the options left after the SRO stock is depleted. Pete, after taking a look at the video, who do you think the market is? Who are they going after? Is it just as you mentioned, like students that may be going to one or two schools that are downtown, or is it an international market? Like it's, I, you know, I've also seen these kind of units marketed as as executive uh, hotels. So maybe maybe you live on a Gulf Island okay. on the weekends with your family and you come into town and you work uh, and you have a convenient sort of pied-à-terre that's close to the central business district. That That is has been marketing, uh, has been a marketed approach for some of these units that I've seen converted. Yeah, I'm even thinking at $2,000 a month, that's uh, not realistic for even a student or a young person that's coming into the city. You're not going to be having a roommate in that apartment. No. No, I mean it might work for a couple, but it'd be pretty crowded. It wouldn't work for me and my <laughs> wife, that's for sure. We'd be at each other's throats. But I think you know it could potentially work in that context. But I think it, it's really being geared towards folks who are willing to pay for that convenience of location. Where do we go from here after seeing this video? Is it alarming enough that you think you're going to get people asking some bigger, tougher questions at the city? You know, I was with uh, I was at a housing announcement with the minister, the federal minister of housing, Sean Fraser, yesterday, and he actually brought up the idea that that it was a mistake for the federal government to get out of the housing business back in the 1990s, and that we need to see some real investment in housing from the federal government uh, to develop the kind of affordable housing that 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 lower income people and even the median income people in the city of Vancouver can afford, because. Right now, we're really relying on the market to provide the housing that we need to deal with our our appallingly low vacancy rates and the need for housing. But the reality is, is the market cannot and will not deliver affordable housing. And the median income in the city of Vancouver is below $50,000 a year. Yeah. So if, if we're going to try and find housing, that's, that is not $2,000 a month for a micro suite. 
We were talking just before the break about this TikTok video. Everything goes viral, but this one really did. Lots of reaction to it. $2,000 rent for 200 square feet, a Vancouver apartment being widely criticized for that. Uh, the video that did appear on TikTok, a lot of people thought it was humorous, kind of making fun of a situation which isn't very funny at all, uh, but it turned out to be real. It was a promotion for that piece of rental property. It's at the Lotus. We've been talking with Vancouver City Councillor Pete Fry about, uh, about some of the realities when it comes to the housing crisis and rental crisis in this city. In the break, we're talking about the Lotus itself, a hotel that's been around for many years in Vancouver. And as an SRO... Uh, before any conversions even, uh, it was not one of the worst. It was uh, seen as a pretty good hotel with a uh, dedicated number of residents that had been there for years. Yeah, yeah. No, I've so I've lived in the downtown east side in and around the neighborhood for about 30 years, and I've been in a lot of SROs, and I know lots of folks who've lived in SROs, and Lotus certainly was one of the more sort of stable ones and, and a lot of pensioners in there. And I think that's the one thing that your listeners need to understand too, is that a lot of the folks who live in, in these hotels, they're not all mental mental health or addictions kind of folks that we see causing chaos. These are largely pensioners and folks who are uh, on disability. And we have a ton of folks who uh, that I've met that get injured on the job and it could happen to any one of us. And then it's a slippery slope and they don't have the supports there for them. And they end up living in the the most affordable housing, which tends to be these SRO units, which are now under the sort of predatory kind of interest of, of big investors that see the opportunity to, to kick out the low rent tenants and replace them with tenants that can pay substantially more. And so that's why we're seeing these buyout offers for some of these old timers to take a couple of thousand bucks to split <clears throat> and free up this unit that they can then turn around and, and increase the rent from $600 a month to $2,000 a month and and really reap significant profits. Okay, so what can be done about that? Um, I know you're not with a side of majority on council, but what should council be doing to kind of combat this and to make sure that there is housing for people in the neighborhood that you identified? Well, it, it, it's complicated. I mean, we need that that other levels of government to, to make those investments as well. We need to really see that investment. As a city, we did try and introduce uh, what we call vacancy control on on SRO units, uh, which was basically controlling, the, I mentioned earlier, that SROs are defined by the housing typology, not the rent. We wanted to sort of tie the rents to it so that even on tenant turnover, they would be rented out at a, at a lower price point. That was shot down by the courts. And, and it is a difficult scenario when we're talking about a, a, a private market investor uh, to tell them that they can't raise the rents to pay for necessary improvements. A lot of these buildings are 100 plus years old and they are falling apart and they do need significant investment. I don't know that that's necessarily the case with the Lotus, but it is the case yeah. with some of them. And and the landlord successfully argued that you can't ha- tie our hands and force us to not raise the rents to pay for necessary renovations, lest this building become a fire trap. And we know, of course, that we've seen a number of fires in substandard buildings that are poorly maintained. So it's deadly fires, deadly fires. And it's a very tricky balance to try and figure out how we can replace this stock. And the province is very interested in replacing this stock altogether with self-contained units and more supportive housing, but it takes money and it's money that the city of Vancouver can't, can't reasonably uh, provide to do this kind of work. So we need help from all levels of government and we need to take a really bigger picture than just the city of Vancouver too, because this is not just a city of Vancouver downtown. A lot of folks would say this is the most expensive real estate market 
in the country? Why are you putting yeah. low-income people right downtown? Well, first off, many of these people have lived there for decades, and it's their home too. So I don't buy the notion that we should be displacing them, but I do recognize that we can't sustain all the low uh, affordable. Like Vancouver does about 55% of the social and supportive housing for Metro Vancouver. We need to spread that out a little bit more, and we need to spread it out not just in the region but in the province as well. Well, let's pull back. I often think of uh, what is a, a good, healthy city in terms of housing. And one way to kind of look at it, in my mind, is you take your average public high school teacher, uh, maybe a couple, two public high school teachers, combine their salary, and can they afford rent or to buy? And in Vancouver, that's not a reality. No. Will it ever be a reality? Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out with with the ability to buy uh, for two teachers in the city of Vancouver. That seems like it might But might even to happen, rent and to have kids. Yeah, and so that's where we need to see significant investment. In, and, and the challenge is, is that as the city, we don't do a lot of the investing in the housing. We do some, but we try and make policies that will allow the, the creation of more rental housing. We're in a bit of a doldrums right now because of interest rates, labor yeah. shortages, we need to see a big scale up in trades training to make sure that we have people who can actually build the housing that we need. The federal government's you know, promised that we're yeah. allowing half a million new immigrants to Canada a year, I believe it is. And we are nowhere near um, building the amount of housing that we're going to need to deliver for, for those people, for current residents, for residents' children, and recognizing that we also have confluent interests like short-term rentals and Airbnbs where folks are taking viable long-term rental housing and converting it into short-term rental, quick-profit Airbnb properties, which is a whole other ball of wax that we could probably spend a lot of time on. Well, light at the end of the tunnel, if you're to look at something that gives you any promise or hope or optimism with this, is there anything? I was pretty stoked to hear what Sean Fraser, the Minister of Housing for the federal government, had to say yesterday about, like, the, the. I think that there is a recognition that the feds maybe need to take another look at how they can really invest in housing for Canadians. Uh, the low-interest loan program that they're they're yeah. subsidizing that is keeping shovels in the ground because uh, financing is really challenged by interest rates right now for private developers. So that's going to help to at least build more supply. But we need to have a much bigger and more intentional conversation. Canada is one of the only G7 nations without a national housing strategy that builds housing for, for folks. And that's something I think we could all reflect on and what our values as Canadians are about and taking care of each other. Vancouver City Councillor P. Fry, thanks for coming in and talking about this important one. Yeah, it is. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.